The Gospels are full of instances in which Jesus dines with prostitutes and tax collectors, in which Jesus drives out demons, in which Jesus forgives even a woman caught in adultery without hesitation and calls Matthew the tax collector to be one of the apostles. The scriptures are full of Jesus being absolutely gratuitous with his love and with his mercy. And yet we only get this one instance of Jesus really going after people, of really getting upset in a way, of driving them out of the temple, of making a whip from cords. This should cause us great pause. We should ask ourselves, why is the Lord doing this? Why would he get so upset? But first, before we get into that a little bit, I think it's important for us to look at our own lives. So often in our lives, because we're rational beings, because we're relational beings, because we're emotional beings, we get so caught up in the material world. We get so caught up in our relational sins, if we will, or sins that come about from our social lives. I hear confessions almost every day, and it's always leading off with that. Bad relationships, eating too much, drinking too much, falling into sexual sin or temptation. We get so obsessed with that. When we turn to the Lord, and what do we see Him again and again and again throughout the Gospels? He doesn't turn a blind eye to that. He always calls us to repentance and to sin no more. But he loves the people deeply and powerfully in those moments and is extraordinarily generous. And yet when he goes into the courtyard of the temple and finds them selling things and money changers and it becoming a place of commerce, he drives them out. Why is this? Again, well, look at the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments that we heard from Exodus, there are a couple instances of the Ten Commandments in the, uh, in the Pentateuch, in the first five books of the Bible, but this is our first go at the Ten Commandments. And we get these long exhortations around the first three commandments, which have to do explicitly with our relationship to God. You shall have no other gods besides me. You shall not take the Lord's name in vain. You shall keep holy the Sabbath. We are given these long paragraph-length exhortations. And then when we get to the sins or to the relationship that have to do with another, one another, we get short lines. Honor your mother and father. You shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. And what Jesus is showing us in the temple, brothers and sisters, is that if God is not first in my life, Everything else falls to pot. It falls apart. None of the moral or spiritual life issues matter if God is not central to my life. And it's such that we can even make the thing that we think is right. right? The Jews had to offer sacrifice in the temple. And because they were coming from all over, they needed to purchase these things. And because they were coming from all over, there needed to be money changers there to make, trans, to make transitions of, of currencies. That's not a bad thing. But the temple, 
became the place where it was taking place. And that's the problem. And so often in our lives, we do the same thing. We bring those things in from the outside world. We bring those things into our own life, into our hearts. And if we remember from Scripture, St. Paul tells us, you are what? A temple of the Holy Spirit. Just as God was present in the temple to the Jews, He is present in your soul through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And if we are comfortable with worldly things, if we allow our hearts to become proverbial marketplaces for those things and keep God at arm's length, we are missing the plot. And so Jesus is challenging us today to drive those things out of our life, but not just to drive them out, but to turn wholeheartedly to God. And as St. Paul exhorts us in that beautiful reading from 1 Corinthians that we heard, we need to be willing to become a fool in order to do it, to embrace that willingly. Remember a few years ago when I was here as a student brother, so eight, nine years ago now, I was over at a resident parishioner's home and at a fellowship of Christian athletes meeting. They wanted me to come over and talk with the kids about, you know, I don't know, being, a, being a religious. So just talk about Jesus. So we're over there, we're talking about Jesus, and at the end, you know, open for question and answers. These are high schools, mind you. And so the first question, I don't remember what that was, but the second or third question was this question. This is a direct quote. So, no girls, ever? That was the question. And, okay, I'm, you look back, and at that time in my life, it was just like, I didn't realize, because it was such a normal part of my life to live celibacy and to strive after service of the Lord in that way. But to, a, I don't know, 15, 16-year-old boy, that made absolutely no sense. Less sense than anything else he had ever heard in his life. But such is our hearts and our minds when we follow after the Lord. We're willing to be fools in other people's eyes, to be considered crazy or less than because we have the Lord, imperfectly as we all have the Lord. And brothers and sisters, the Lenten season is this great privilege season for us to put God first in our life. If you get to Easter and you haven't had bread or you've, 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 made, you've met your Lenten promises, thanks be to God for that. But if you don't love God more, you've done it all wrong. This is the beauty of this season. It's we strip things away, we push things out of our temple so that we can fill it and fill that space with love of God and emanate that forth to the love of our brothers and sisters. We do this through prayer. Make sure you're praying every single day. If you're not praying every single day and that isn't a habit that you have, do a morning offering. First thing that you do in the morning, offer your day to the Lord. And at the end of the day, give thanks and start filling it in in between. If you've got a long drive, pray the rosary on your way into work. Make sure you're opening your heart every day to God and the breath that He desires to breathe in and through you, through prayer. We fast. Obviously, we give up certain things. But make sure when you're tempted, oh, I want this bread or that candy or that thing, that cup of coffee, that it turns you to loving other people, to serving other people. I can't have this coffee right now because I gave it up for you, Lord. But please bless my friend who is struggling with cancer or struggling with his or her faith. Now it's not just about giving up 
what I've given up, but it's about giving my life more and more to another. And also almsgiving. We must support the poor, especially. Support the church also, but we really need to go out of our way during this pandemic in particular to support the poor, those who have nothing. And some have lost everything because of this pandemic. And perhaps most of all in the terms of cleaning out our own temple, of driving out those things that keep us from God, come to the sacrament of confession. Unburden your heart and your life from the sins that weigh you down. Let the Lord drive those things out and flip a few tables in your life. Let Him get rid of those things that have held you down for weeks, months, or even years or decades. Let God clear out your temple and fill you totally with His grace, love, and mercy. Earlier this week, I had the distinct privilege of laying to rest one of our resident, longtime resident parishioners, Mike Sutherland. Mike was a good friend. We became very close this last year as I walked with him in his converting fully to the Catholic faith. Now, last summer when we were meeting, we didn't realize that we were actually preparing Mike for his death because shortly after he was received into the Catholic Church, he was diagnosed with the cancer that took his life. But thanks be to God that when the Lord flipped over a table in his life, that Mike was willing to say yes, to take the effort, to make the sacrifice, to come and meet with me. Because when he entered into that final battle, that final journey back to the Lord, he did so not from a place of fear and anxiety and dread, but he spoke and knew the Lord as a friend. Because he had been able to come to the sacrament of confession be confirmed, received Holy Eucharist, be anointed. What a blessing it was to be with him. Brothers and sisters, we don't know the moment that the Lord will call us home. And so when the Lord flips over a table in our life, we should pay attention. We should listen to him and we should follow his example. Maybe the Lord isn't flipping over a table in your life. Maybe he's sitting with you like he did with those tax collectors, those prostitutes, those sinners. Maybe he's just walking with you and encouraging you right now. But he's calling each and every one of you to follow after him, to open your hearts to him, and to make him the first thing in your life. Because he desires perfection, joy, and happiness for you. Follow after him and embrace him as he embraces you. And enjoy that peace in this life and in the life to come.